Yankee Doo Podcast. My name's Wheels. Thanks for hanging out. If you're wondering what this podcast is all about, well, I'll tell you this. It's about the things that I love. Chugi, of course, the TikTok generation has given us this word that describes essentially me, someone from the millennials, a millennial, an elder millennial who thinks they're hip to the jive and I am anything. But I will say this, though. I like to have fun. Today's podcast is all about esports. I fell in love with esports during the pandemic. I truthfully have not played video games for probably 10, 15, up to 20 years. So this whole pandemic, I dove in. A good friend of mine, Justin, challenged me and said, listen, man, you will never buy a PS4. And I take that stuff personally. So I said, shove it, Justin. Here I bought a PS4. This game called Warzone came out. Call of Duty, you shoot bad guys. Next thing I know, I'm playing hours upon hours upon hours of this game. I fell in love with gaming again. And it went even deeper from there. Not just Warzone. I was following the Call of Duty League. Why? Because it was fun. It's esports. I feel like it's underappreciated. That it punches above its weight. And truthfully, there's great community in there as well. My brothers love it. My friends love it. We watch together. I'm their biggest fan. Honestly, I'm one of their biggest fans. So today's podcast is Benjamin Bantz. You're in for a treat. He plays on the Toronto Ultra of the Call of Duty League, and he's one of the best Call of Duty players to ever come out of Europe, ever. For all of history, you get a chance to dive into his story today. We're going to learn what it's like to be a professional Call of Duty player. What's it like to do esports for a living? How he handles his mental health? What his day looks like? I think you're going to love it. You're going to love Mr. Benjamin Bantz. I know that I had a blast getting to chat with him, and I hope that you take away from this a few different things. One, that you realize esports is great, and you go, you know what? I kind of see why this is so much fun. Two, I hope you get to know Ben Bantz and give him a follow on Twitter at B-A-N-C, Bantz, that's his last name. And three, I hope you realize that video games and gaming itself is a massive movement. Bigger than music, bigger than movies, bigger than TV. It's all about video games, and you'll be seeing more and more and more of them in the mainstream. So, without further ado, here's my guy, Ben Bantz. Good morning. Hello, it's Ben here. Okay, um, so here's how this works. I love the idea of you're a professional Call of Duty player and what that means for the next generation. Kids growing up that look up to you and what that's all about. And we'll get into some of your success this year and have some fun more than anything, man. Lovely. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, do you fly home tomorrow? Uh, yes, I fly home tomorrow. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait. You must but be pumped, been, eh? Yeah, it's been too long. Like, I, haven't, I haven't been, like, I've only been home probably about three months in the last, like, Two years, technically. So, now, is that due in part to the pandemic, Ben? Yeah, yeah, it's because of COVID. So. Okay. And you have a fiance at home too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Oh, well, let's pick it up right there. So you've got a fiance at home. You you haven't been home. You've been home for three months in the past two years. What kind of impact does that have on your job as a professional Call of Duty player? Um, I'd say it's got quite a big impact to be honest um you know when when there's some serious lows i don't really have like my support group around me to obviously just go and just like comfort with um 
you know, obviously, in the start of the year, I had quite a few lows uh, personally, where, like, well, obviously, regarding my performances, and like, all I wanted to do was just go be with them and not think about COD. Um, but when they're not here, like, I've only got myself at night, obviously, due to time differences. Um, yeah, and it just it, it hits it hits harder when you don't have everyone around you supporting you. I can't imagine. Like that's got to be brutal at the best of times. So, so what do you do? Yeah, carry on. Sorry. No, I was just saying. Like, so you don't have that support system with your fiance and your family. So what do you do to try and escape? Not like I'll, I'll call it your job. You're playing video games for a job, right? It's work. So outside of that, what do you do? To be honest, it's. <laughs> I don't really do much. That's what I mean, like being obviously away, especially during the pandemic, there's not really much I was able to do. I'd probably, uh, I tried just like watching other shows, stuff like that. And obviously due to time difference, I'd be able to call my fiance for about an hour every night. Um, but I mainly started thinking about my health. Um, obviously everyone started noticing that I'd done like breathing exercises before I, before I played a match. Um, and I think that caught on quite quickly um, that people started noticing. I started doing more things like that. Like I started going to the chiropractor. I started having massages. Like I was just trying to take care of myself and make myself happy in other ways um, outside of the game. And then that started showing in-game. And then it all just started turning positive from there on, really. Mm. Yeah, because you started doing that breathing exercise some sometime in Major too. And you're yeah. telling me that you started doing all this health stuff to look after just you, to look after Bantz to make sure that you were uh, putting yourself first, and it translated to results in Major 2. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, before, I had a tendency to just, like, put myself down, in a sense, when it came to my performances. Even if I performed well, I would still sit there and think, oh, but I could have done this better. Um, and I was, I'm definitely my hardest, like, critic. Um, obviously, which can be a positive and a negative, but when things aren't going our way, it's definitely a negative, and it was just it was making a bad situation ten times worse. Mm. Now, Bench, let's add to that this idea of social media and the constant feedback from people that you do not know about your performance, good or bad. How do you? How does the the team handle that? Because it looks like a torrential downpour of feedback, whether you want it or not. Um, I mean, the team handled it quite well. I think I've always been quite bad at reading social media. Like I, I used to intentionally search my name to see what people were saying, um, which is obviously not a good thing to do when things aren't going well. But we handled it quite well. I, I deleted social media during during stage two for, like I think it was like a week, something I just didn't touch it because I would go on it and... I'd have hundreds, thousands of messages saying drop, like drop bands. But I mean, the team, we like, I think that's what made us closer because we all would just sit there and we'd all be honest with each other about like how we feel about like one another, about the team. And I think that just grew us so much stronger as a team. And you could tell like ever since stage two, like we would, we were literally like, unbreakable. We were always doing stuff together. We was always vibing together. No matter the loss, we'd always be together. It was incredible to watch. And also the culmination for you to start the year out playing poorly in your own words 
and then to be the MVP of Major 2, and you guys, you won. What does that feel like for you? Like, you're at the peak of that moment going, I'm justified in pursuing this goal. I know the, the tweet everyone was talking about was you being very vulnerable to the world saying, I was ready to quit. I text my fiance to say that I'm rubbish, I'm done. And then the next thing you know, I'm the MVP of this tournament. It, it just, like, solidified to myself, like, that I knew I could do it sort of thing. Like, I always knew I could do it, but the performances were just not correlating with what I was thinking. Um, and so, especially in practice, like, practice always went well for me, but I couldn't transfer it over to matches. And as soon as I figured that out, it just, like, kept building my confidence because I feel like my confidence... Like I've been on a journey of building my confidence back for probably over... probably about a year and a half now because I joined a team. It, it wasn't going well. And I went from being a professional to an amateur. And, like, things like that never really happened to me. Mm-hmm. And ever since that point, um, I've been on, like, a journey of trying to gain it all back. And I think that stage two major was genuinely the... the the turning point and everything where I, my mindset was a complete 180. Like, I, I don't think I can probably explain it to people, like the difference in my mood and that, but like, I think the team can definitely vouch. I was like a different person after that. Mm. All right, and the proof is in the pudding, man. You were legendary for the rest of the year. It was fun to watch. And, and I know, Vance, that a lot of people in different areas of work, struggle with that exact same thing, confidence. What's the single biggest thing that you did that impact your confidence? Because I know the audience would love to know that. Um, definitely just focusing on myself. Like, like I said, the chiropractor, the, the massage is like going for walks every day to just reset the brain. Like all those little things I was doing, the deep breathing, that definitely helped. Like all those little things that I'd done outside the game to make myself happier, like I know a lot of people say that exercise helps you like in many different ways mentally, but I never really believed it until like I properly started looking after myself. Yeah, and I was just I was happy outside of the game, um, and it definitely correlated inside the game. So bring us into the the life, the daily life of a professional Call of Duty player. What does your day to day look like? You mentioned practice. I know a lot of people listening don't even know what that entails. So. A day in the life, I'd probably say I wake up about... I'm, I'm the early bird in the team, so I'll wake up about 10 a.m. maybe. Um, <laughs> I love that that's the early bird. So that's early, yeah, that's early for, for, for gamers probably for, because I feel, I feel like we're in the transition of turning it more professional because before... Um, I'll give a backstory before... Because me saying early and then saying 10 a.m., everyone's like, that's not early. So I'll give a backstory of why that's early. So before um, before this became like a true profession, the schedule was really keeping to a day job. And then they come back and then they, they practice from 6 till 10 p.m. And so like as the years have gone on and it's become more, more of a profession, it's getting obviously pushed earlier and earlier. And so like 10... Nine tennis is like early for for professionals because our our schedule is normally later in the day. Um, And so I'll wake up about 10, you know, I'll do usual eat breakfast, shower. Um, I'll just relax for a bit. I'll go and then I go across to the facility about 
one around one PM to have lunch, obviously prepare for practice, um, say what, what what's up to everyone. And then we start practicing for from two and that that lasts around two hours ish. So it takes till about four PM. We have a thirty minute break in between, obviously get a snack, um, just mentally prepare for the next one. And then we'll play from about 4.30 to about 7.30. And that's obviously, we play all the different game modes um, as a team. And are you playing other teams to practice? Yes, we we practice against other teams. Okay. Because um, obviously it's not like normal sports, where normal sports you've got 30 players on a team. Um, This is obviously, we've only got four players and a substitute. So we kind of have to, to get practice, you have to play against another team. Obviously, so we practice against other professional uh, teams, um, and then after that, obviously, I'll go eat, go eat my, my my tea, and that's probably the day done. And then, if you want, you can get extra practice in, and that's where <laughs> that's where people um, ruin their sleeping patterns and wake up a bit later. Mm. To be honest, that that's what gets you because there's been a there's a thing going to like the, the gamers think. You have to play, play, play nonstop. And I think that's what Toronto have done so well with us is helping us balance um, normal life and work. Because we, like most people think you have to play 10 hours a day to make it and to be good. Mm-hmm. We, we literally play, we, we spend our time, we play about six hours maybe, but we make the most of those six hours and then that's us. And I think that's what helps sets us apart. We've got so much energy to do whatever we want outside the game and inside the game, and we give it all when we do play. But people think, oh, I'll play 10 hours, but only probably three of them are productive. Yeah, interesting. Is that that whole uh, hustle culture almost, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned you're the early bird. Who is the uh, the late bird on the team? <laughs> um. I mean, it's it's Cam. It definitely <laughs> is Cam. Uh, <laughs> he's he's definitely the late one. He has been, but I mean, he he always still come come ready and, and prepared. But yeah, he's definitely the late one, and I won't say what time he wakes up. Okay, that's fair. I don't want you to throw him under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you mentioned that you moved from being an amateur to a professional. What is the biggest difference? from going from am to professional? The biggest difference I'd probably say is the preparation, probably. I feel like there's so much more like in-depth thinking and mind games that go into it because we play, obviously, all these professional teams on a daily basis. And so we know their tendencies. We know how they like to play a certain map or a certain mode. And so then it, it comes down to like trying to counter them or trying to just play mind games with them. And in, in amateurs, it's, you tend to, because obviously you're not being salaried or being paid, teams tend to not obviously give as much of their time to actually do research into the other team because there's nothing, obviously, you've obviously got to think about like financial stuff and things like that. So I feel like probably preparation, definitely. Bant, there's a lot of people listening right now that either have kids that want to be professional gamers, Twitch streamers, YouTubers, or they themselves want to do that. Now, you've, for lack of a better term, like you're at the peak. Like you've made it. You're a professional Call of Duty player. 
What's the best thing that they can do to give themselves the best shot? The, the, I always get asked this question. This is, this is always a difficult question um, because obviously everyone goes through it in different ways. Um, but honestly, I would probably say play, play, like find a team and just improve with them. You're like COD is a team game. You're never going to make it just by you doing well. Um, because once your team starts doing well, obviously you get further into tournaments um, once you enter them. And that's when you all shine at your best. That's what helped us this year. Like, we were we were all for the team, and then once the team is doing well, that's when you individually shine, because you all are going to bring something to the team to make the team better. So I definitely say find a team, mm. grind with the team, and just improve as a team. That's this year. It's a team game. You got to focus on being a better teammate, and everything else will follow suit. Now, does the idea of being a better teammate? Because we've all got friends we play video games with, right? What is yeah. what is a good team? But what's a good teammate outside of just being talented at video games? Um, so a good teammate, you know, you're always, you're always on time. You're not disrespecting other people's time by showing up like 30 minutes late. You're always bringing positive energy, no matter the situation. You're always wanting to try and improve. You're always just like bringing up plays and stuff. Always discussing what we could have done better. Um, there's, there's so many little things like that that go a long way that I don't think people realize. Even even something little like, like for me, um, just someone messaging me saying, like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like one of my teammates was messaging me saying, like, you're doing good like, when we're not in work hours or we're not screaming. Like, it's, it's little things like that that actually go a long way that people pick up and be like, you know what, this, this, is, a, this is a genuine nice guy. Um, and I feel like I feel like in the pro scene, there are so many people like that. And that's, and that goes like people talk when you're in the pro scene, like uh, this guy is a nice guy. You, you, he's one of my favorite teammates. And that actually goes a long way. Hmm. I was going to ask, there's a lot of theatrics. It's very dramatic when you guys are on the stage together playing, you're taunting the other team. How much of this is real? Like how much friction is there between, between the players? Or is it just kind of like you get hyped up and at the end of the day, everyone's, they just want success. Obviously, I can't speak for obviously other people, mm-hmm. but when I'm on stage, no matter who's across the stage, I want to beat them. Um, and so I feel like everyone's in that mindset where as soon as that headset's on, as soon as you're on stage, it doesn't matter if it's your best friend across the stage, it doesn't matter who it is, you are going to do everything possible to beat them. Um, I know Sim, for example, uh, the recent World Championships, he was probably the main guy that would stand up and scream across at people and and obviously let them know if they've done a bad play or something. I feel like that for him, he knows obviously he's better than them in that scenario, but outside of the game, he's completely normal. Right. So it's I wouldn't say it's staged or anything. It's definitely real emotion that everybody shows but no one really takes it outside of the game. Okay, you mentioned chemistry on a team. How hard is it, outside of your team, because I feel like you guys won the lottery with your chemistry, but how much of a discussion is this on other teams, other professional Call of Duty teams? Is the focus always on chemistry? Mm, um, I wouldn't say so. I would say most, 
most teams try to look at talent, look at roles, and then hope the chemistry comes later, um, which I feel like doesn't always work out. I feel like you have to, when picking a team or finding players, you have to look at what they're like as a person. Um, just for example, all of us, us four, is we all get on wall, obviously, from Europe. Three of us are from the UK. Like, I've known some of them for, like, five-plus years. So when looking at our team, it's, it's just a no-brainer that we would get on well because I've, I've known them for so long. I've, got, I've grown up playing against some of them for so long. But I feel like some teams don't really think about that. They think, who's got the most talent and fits in this role? And then we'll hope the chemistry works. Um, and some people are strictly business when it comes to being a professional. They think, no matter how good of a friend I am with him, I'm going to come and give it my all. He best do it, and I don't care what he does after. And I feel like that's a good approach if everything's coming well. Like, if everything's going well, you don't really need to think about that. But when things start going bad, that's when those cracks start to show. That's where the chemistry shows because that's when people get annoyed with people because they're not actually similar like to them on a personal level. And I feel like that's what sets us apart. If I lived in the UK, things would be so weird to me. Right? You guys have tea instead of coffee, etc. What's the weirdest thing you had to adapt to in Canada that you're like, what? what is going on here? Like a cultural thing. A cultural thing in Canada. Or a food thing or just something that kind of caught you off guard. Milk in a bag. That still seems so odd to me. Oh, that's um, so funny. That's yeah, actually an Ontario one, thing. We make fun of Ontario yeah. for that. So yeah, the milk in a bag is quite a, quite a strange thing for me to, uh, to say. <laughs> that's a great example. Okay, what's the best part about living in Canada? For one, the travel. Because <laughs> so, going to, from the UK straight to America mm. on travel days was the worst. But I mean, in Toronto, it, it, I don't know. It's just like a multicultural city. It's such a cool place to live. Like, there's so many different cultures in one. Um, the food's amazing. There's just so many little things like that that just stand out from, obviously, being either, being from where I'm from in the UK. I'm, I'm from, like, I wouldn't say it's a small city, but it's not, not the biggest city. It's not really, like, a London, for example, or a Manchester. I'm far out the way. Um, basically living near all the, all the countryside and stuff. So it's a complete 180 lifestyle. Uh, you, there's a quote by you, Bance. At one point in my life, I had a choice of staying in college or dropping out to play COD. I think I, this proved I made the right decision. What would you have done in college? Like, what were you taking? Uh, I was doing public services. So the Marines, Army, Police. Oh, wow. Uh, I was, yeah, so I was learning all stuff about that. Um, that was definitely something I wanted to do. Is there, um, is there any chance you could go back to that when you're done, Cod? Yeah, if, if I don't find anything in Cod, I probably will go back to that because I've always been interested in all stuff to do with that, like being a part of like the public services because it, I, I think I'm more of a practical guy than like an office desk worker, I, I feel like, because I feel like my attention span is not probably fit to be sitting at a desk for nine hours or uh, like I, I, I bought like even in school I struggled with just paying attention because obviously I'm more of a practical guy I like doing stuff that's when I feel like I'm at my best 
And finally, you said you, you watch shows. Can you recommend a show or two to the audience? That Benjamin Bance's recommendation list. No, my, my most recommended, I think I'd ever tell people, is Line of, Line of Duty. Okay. That is definitely one of the best shows. I like Lucifer. That's a good show. But definitely my number one recommendation when anyone asks is always Line of Duty. That is literally one of my favorite shows ever. It's so good. Okay. You need to watch it. Okay, I'm in. Bance, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this tweak because uh, a bunch of my coworkers were like, what, what was he talking about? People get a little bit of juice and forget who they were drinking water with. <laughs> oh, listen, I, can't, I cannot say that. I cannot, unfortunately. Okay. But, I mean, well, it's not, it's not anything, really, to be honest. It, it's Rustomania. Most people, most people like cryptic tweets. Um, and I'm, I'm not really a social media guy, but I thought I'd hop on it because people would probably take it serious because I don't normally tweet. Right. If I tweet something cryptic, people would be like, oh my God, something serious has happened. And then I got Toby to join along in reply as well. But <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's, it's definitely nothing. It's you definitely rattled, nothing. you rattled some feathers. <laughs> Roster Mania, next year, you know you have a team. You're going to be a part of the Toronto Ultra. That's happening. How... Good is that for your mental health to know that you can just relax for a year? It's it's so good because I feel like this is one of the only times where I've had a relaxing off season. Because normally, even if I'd come home, I'm still constantly on the phone. I'm constantly taking calls, you know, trying to find where I'm next heading. Um, and you can't actually enjoy your off season. It's mm. not actually an off season because you're still constantly working. You're constantly stressed. This one, I've actually got time off where me and my fiance can we can go on holiday, we can do day trips. We can just I can just leave social media. I can leave my work for a month, and I'd come back and I'd be in the same position. So I, I, I'm looking forward to this off season. This is probably the only off season that I'm looking forward to. Well, we're we're excited, man. We're excited for next year. We're so pumped that you were able to do this today. Have a blast with us. Enjoy your fiance, your family, the trip back home, and we look forward to watching you do. Unreal stuff, Mr. Bands, like you did this season. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank hey, you very much. Have a great day. Thanks for making time. And honestly, uh, enjoy unplugging, man.